I want to kind of intro this message a bit for you. The first thing I want to say is we're in a new chapter here at Ramp Church, and the, our chapters at Ramp Church are more than just a message topic. We, we talk about it in our home groups. Uh, we, we, we focus on it in our prayer meetings. So anytime we enter in a new chapter, it's an opportunity for us, us as a community to lean in to what God's saying so that we can be transformed, so that we can then go into the next chapter of what God has for us. So this chapter is called, Let Me Introduce You. Let me introduce you. And there's two reasons why we're going into this. Number one, if you are a part of the Ramp Church family, it's always good to remember what has God called us to do and who are we as a community and as a church? What's our identity? And I think that's as we start to, to go into this chapter, it's going to resonate in your heart so that we can, but we can go into this next season propelled forward in our vision and our mission, the way we feel that we're called to serve our city and the nation that God's put us. But also more people than ever. Are, are engaging in, in Ramp Church Manchester online. We literally, there are hundreds and hundreds of you that are discovering Ramp Church and you've never been a part of our church before. So we're, we're going into a chapter that's even gonna, gonna help you learn what does it mean to be a part of Ramp Church? What does it mean to be a part of, of our vision for this city and, and where we feel like we're going as a community? So we've devoted an entire chapter um, that's gonna go all throughout September and into October that's dedicated to that. I, I think you're going to see some dots connected. So it's not just about attending church, but you're going to see your Monday through Saturday also. And the dots connected for what does it mean to be the people of God in this city. So I, I want to tell you um, places have significance to God. Not just people. Places have significance to God. And the, it's, it's not just because God loves everybody sort of a way, but places have significance to God. We, we, we see this in Scripture. When God calls Abraham, he calls him to leave the place that he's at and go to the place that he's going to show him. Uh, we see Jesus, he's giving his disciples, his early followers, instructions on certain places to go. We see Jesus even mourning over the city that God called him to preach to. And he was, he was mourning for them and, and, and declaring his heart as, as an entire place. And one of the reasons is, is because people shape places and then places shape people. So our shared identity as a city is important to God. And as a church, we're meant to be involved in, in what is happening with that place. So I, I get this question all the time um, here at Ramp Church. Now, we're only three years old as a community, not even three years old. We're coming up to our three-year-old birthday. And people ask me all the time, why Manchester? Why would you choose Manchester? Why, why not London? Why not somewhere else? And so today we're going to answer that question a bit, but the title of this message is Here on Purpose, Here on Purpose. And you're not just going to talk about, you're not just going to hear about what our purpose is as a community, but I think you're going to get a window into your own purpose in this story. So um, it's going to be a bit of a ride because um, we're going to talk about the way God has spoken to us in this journey that's leading us to Manchester. And it, it really revolves around this principle that, um, that is about how we're a prophetic people. And so I want you to know that, Ramp Church, going to this message, we are a prophetic people. And that doesn't mean we're weird or we're fortune tellers. What that means is that when, anytime you get into the prophetic in the Word of God, you can't read the Bible along without bumping into the prophetic. It's about understanding God's mind or His heart 
for a specific people for a specific time. And I believe our journey that led us to Manchester is really a journey of kind of seeking God and, and asking, where are you leading us? We don't just want to be led by a pros and cons list and strategy and all that has its place. But we want to be led, Father, by your voice. Your, you alone know the direction that we're meant to go. And, and we want you to show us what that direction is. So now I'm going to go to the service that happened actually in this building several weeks ago to give you and I a little window into... How, why are we in Manchester, and how does God's purpose line up with your and my every day? Let's watch. We're going to talk to you tonight about something wonderful. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk to you about. Is following the voice of God. Many times we just call it following the voice. And uh, not only is this important for us, it's important for you. For many reasons whether or not you are a part of the ramp here in this mission we have or not. There's nothing more important in your life than knowing how to recognize the voice of God. Now, I've said this before, and it's true. Sometimes people think that's strange that you say, well, I heard God speak to me, or I heard the Lord say, I've been in Bible studies before, and you mention the Lord said something to me, and people look at, it, look at you like, that is weird that she says the Lord speaks to her, you know. I've, I mean, have you ever talked to people before, and you're telling them what the Lord said to you, and they look at you like, you're, you're strange? Honey, I think it's weird if you don't have the Lord's voice speaking. I think it's strange if you're a Christian and you're not hearing the voice of God because his, his word says in John 10, my sheep know my voice. And Pastor Micah is going to speak to you right now about the different ways that God speaks and the importance of that voice. Pastor Micah. Amen. Well, as we go through this journey of just about hearing the voice of God, about what he's saying to us corporately as a house and how that applies to us in our mission collectively and uh, also our lives individually, you're going to hear us reference a lot of things that are sort of unusual, whether it's dreams or kind of odd happenings or odd confirmations, things like that. But it's important to learn the language of the Spirit. The language of the Spirit. And the Bible describes to us what the language of the Spirit sounds like in the last days. Of course, you get a lot of prophetic utterances throughout the Old Testament about the last days. But once you hit the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter declares those days have now begun, drawing us closer to the return of the Lord. And as he is describing the last day's functionality of the church, here's what he says. He quotes a prophecy out of Joel chapter 2, and he says in Acts 2.16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, what we are now stepping into being governed by the Spirit of God within the boundaries of Scripture, this moment we're now stepping into as a people, as a body, this is what it looks like, and this is what Joel said it would look like. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. And what is the result of a church that is baptized in the Holy Ghost? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above 
and signs on the earth beneath. In other words, a church that is baptized in the Spirit of God operates in the unusual language of the Spirit that includes prophesying, it includes dreams, it includes visions, it includes signs, it includes wonders. So if we're going to be the full gospel church God has called us to be, we need to learn the language of the Spirit. If you were to extract the supernatural ways in which God spoke in Scripture, you wouldn't have Scripture. You go to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, and over and over and over again, in unusual ways, God leads His people, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, Anna, the intercessor, in these prophetic instances where He is confirming His Word, confirming Scripture, and leading Him forward leading them forward into his purposes. So as we talk about these unusual ways in which God speaks to us as a people, which you are now, you're a part of that, because we're all part of the New Testament church of Jesus, as we describe these unusual ways, we, would, we like to say it like this, we are led by the Spirit, governed by Scripture, and always listening for his voice. We are led by the Spirit within the boundaries of Scripture, and always staying sensitive to his voice and I believe as we share some of this prophetic history that we carry as a house you're not only going to learn what God said you're going to pick up on the ways that God speaks so you can learn to recognize his voice in your life as well and that's so powerful because you know whenever we talk about these things whether it's whether we had a dream you'll hear us talk like that a lot or we'll say I heard God speak to me and you're about to see some things and the ways that God has spoken to us but you know Pastor Micah like you just said, from the beginning of the Bible, all the way back in the unusual ways God spoke to Abraham, or the ways God spoke to Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. He had night dreams. God was using that means of speaking all the way back then, all the way up through the unusual ways he spoke to Ezekiel or Daniel or all of them. It's woven all through the scriptures. I mean, he spoke through a donkey one time. I haven't had that happen yet, but, you know, that's pretty interesting. And um, this, this just... Here's the deal. This book wasn't written by people who just went to church and heard somebody telling them about God. This book was written by people who had learned to hear and follow the voice. That's where this came from. Amen? Do you understand that? So in your life, in your life, I believe even after tonight, two things are going to happen. I believe you're going to learn to recognize, in some ways, how the Lord has been speaking to you for years and you didn't know it. You're also going to learn to recognize his voice more. And listen, oh, this is the truth. If you start putting faith and expectation on hearing him, you will hear him. He loves to talk. I say it like this. He speaks loud, he speaks clear, and he speaks often for those who want to hear him. Now, if you don't want to hear him, you probably, you know, probably won't. Because, you know, a lot of people just sort of live like that spiritually. Don't really want to la, 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 la. But, or they just want to hear somebody else only tell them about what God's saying. But if you put faith on saying, God, speak to me. Honey, start looking and listening. He's going to speak your language. And I love that. Second thing about tonight that's important for you is that we're going to share with you some of the prophetic words, not only that we've heard, but prophetic promises that we have received for this ministry. Now, it's corporate. It's a corporate promise. But listen, corporate promises work like this. What is, what, it's like a city. What is a, what is a city? It's not the buildings in the city that makes it the city. It's the people. 
You take the people out of a city, what have you got? Empty shells of a building, right? A building's blah. It's nothing. That's not, they're not, the, the life of a city is the people. What is a ministry? What is a ministry in the earth? Now, it's all together in the big picture of God. We're one, one church, one ministry. But individually, we're broken up into various ministries. What is a ministry made up of? Not this building or any other church building. It's the people. So while we receive corporate promises for the mission we've been given, when you associate yourself with that church or that ministry, that mission, its promises corporately becomes yours individually. So what we tell you, because this ministry is made up of the people that join the mission. So these promises, while we call them corporate, are actually, yeah, that's what's going to be done through us corporately. But honey, you can apply it to your prodigal kids, to your marriage, to your finances, to your home, to your life. So we want, even for your own church that you attend, whatever church you go to, you need to find out the promises given to that house because those are yours. It's hard to even know where to begin to talk to you about our promises. So we've, because we have so many, but for time's sake tonight, we've condensed it. So you won't be here till tomorrow morning at this time because we could still be talking. But you can breathe a sigh of relief. We're going to be time conscious. But I've, we've picked out a few really important ones that are important to you. So I'm going to start, and we're going to throw this ball around just a little bit. I'm going to share with you uh, a word that really encompasses our global mission. Now, you need to understand this about the ramp. Last week, we talked to you about some of the history of the ramp. Well, let me just say this. Whenever we began, whenever the Lord called me, and I heard the voice to begin to work with the young people, little did I know what God had in mind. But usually when God says something, he doesn't tell you the whole picture. He tells Abraham, hey, pack up and leave your father's house and just start walking. I'll tell you when you get there, when you're there. And he doesn't tell Abraham, and you're going to be the father of many nations, and this and this and this, because it would have just blown him away. When God told me, I need you to work with the youth of this community, he didn't say, and it will actually about the youth, be about the youth of the whole world. It may cost you everything, but it'll be worth it. So the ramp's mission is a global mission. So yes, it started with about seven kids, and yes, it includes the young people of Cleveland, Tennessee, and Knoxville, and Chattanooga, and this region here, and Hamilton, Alabama, where we're based. But it also includes some other cities and even nations, the Lord has told us. I say, I'm listening. Stay with me in your thoughts, because this is important. Now, I learned this, and I learned it through my word to come to Cleveland. You don't ever go to a city without a word. You've got to know where you're called. That's for you, too. Listen to me. Even if you're in your ministry, whatever place God has you. The world is big, but it's still not in any, many, mighty, mo game. You don't pick out just where do I want to live according to how many money I can make there and how many people. No, wherever you go, you need a word to find out the boundaries God has given you. Paul talks about that in Corinthians. He says, I don't boast about my authority outside of the boundaries that God has given me. So you got to know where your realm of authority is. When God tells you to go to a city or gives you a city in your realm of influence, you know what that means? It means, listen to me, it means you've been given authority for that city. Oh, that's important. I can't just go over here to 
Phoenix, I'm sure it's a great city, but God didn't tell me to go there. He's given somebody else that city and the authority to be there. But God told us to come to Cleveland along with Judy and Jamie Tuttle, along with some awesome other pastors out here, Pastor Gary Sears and all these wonderful other pastors. He told them to come here, and he's given those that he called to this region authority for this city. Say hallelujah. God spoke to me in an unusual way concerning another city. So the ramp began in 1998, end of the year. We were just plowing right along. God was blessing, hallelujah, in Hamilton, Alabama. It was already moving and doing things I'd never dreamed. 2004, I was not only doing the ramp, I was still singing some too. And as you know from last week, I traveled and sang for, for 20 plus years. And I was actually still trying, traveling and singing with a man named Benny Hinn at that time. I, was, I would sing for his crusades. So we were in Manchester, England, doing a crusade. And we'd been in many countries, many cities. I had done it for many, many years with him. That's what makes this unusual. We'd finished the crusade. Everything is normal. I get back to the hotel. I get in my room. I'm staying up in the downtown part of Manchester, England. And I'm, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I just talked to her talk about this. Woo! I'm up in the high part of the hotel, and uh, by myself, it's, it's already late because we've gotten in, crusades used to last a long time, and uh, so I was up high. I'm looking down on the streets of Manchester in the wee hours now of the morning, and I'm noticing something. There's like hundreds, if not thousands, of young people. City, Manchester's a big city, for one thing, and I'm looking down, and I cannot believe how many young people's in that city. The, 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 the streets are packed. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on with all these young people? Well, now my heart's already moved for young people because I was work, we had just started the work in Hamilton of the Ramp. So my heart's already moved. And I began to notice something from where I was, I was in my room. <coughs> I could see, don't worry about me, I don't have it. I could see literally into... The bars, they call them pubs. And I could see sort of when they were, they would, I got to noticing that coming out of the pub, there was a line of young people waiting to get in because the bar, I'm going to call it a bar, though it was a pub, was so full, packed of young people. It was so packed that they were having to wait. They'd, when two came out, they'd let two go in. I was watching it. And I was so just blown away. I could see the young people in there dancing like they were so packed. They were like, it looked, I hate to say it like this, oh my no. I remember looking, thinking they looked like slithering snakes, the way they were dancing in those blinking dark lights. And, and I'm watching this from way up high, but I could see in. Then I began to notice they were bringing girls out, holding them in their arms. They had passed out. They were so drunk. And they were bringing them out of the bars. And they went and laid them down in the shrubs, by the shrubs, over there in the grass. And I'm just looking at this overwhelming need. So I thought, I can't stand this. I'm going to have to go down there. So I went down into the streets of Manchester. I was by myself, but I thought, I've got to go and just see what in the world's going on. So I'm down there, and I'm just walking around, all these young people. So I, I decided to start talking to some of them. So I did. They get me a sip of water. And... Uh, I started talking to the young people. And with this southern accent in England, the one time it went used for good, I drew a crowd quickly. Some Kleenex. 
And uh, somebody throw me some Kleenex. Uh, sweetheart, give me some right there, some. I got it right here. Thank you. But thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Always have them ready for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I started talking to kids at the street, and they were like, for a long, I have a little audience all surrounded me. And they're asking me questions. Why are you here? And I would say, well, I'm here, uh, you know, from America. They're fascinated with that at that time. And I said, uh, I'm here for uh, a Christian, I'm here for a meeting. I, I said, actually, uh, a big meeting that we had here. And I said, uh, I'm a singer, and so I was here to sing. They were like, oh, you're a singer. They said, sing, sing for us, sing something for us. So I said, okay, I'll sing you something. I said, oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. And in just those few seconds, he came. And I looked up, and tears were already starting to move and flow that quick. All they needed a moment in his presence. You don't even have to preach. You don't even have to give. No, you just give him an opportunity to just let a light pierce through that darkness. They began to disperse and a few lingered. And without me saying anything, a few lingered and they'd walk up and say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my aunt, my aunt? Would you pray? And they were asking me to pray for different things that quickly. My heart was so moved after that night when I went back to my room. I couldn't get those kids off my mind. And when I took off the next day to fly back home to America, I remember being on the runway there in Manchester and the plane taxiing out to the runway to take off. And I remember sitting there looking out that window and I remember thinking I knew the voice and I knew then there's going to be a ramp in Manchester, England. Someday. I don't know how. I don't know when. And I'd never had that happen for either city or nation. At that time, I had been in. It was 2004. So I get home, and we are in. Ramp is going, and it's just blowing up, and God's moving. And all of a sudden, about 2005, kids from England begin to fly to Hamilton, Alabama to come to the ramp because they were seeing it online. Now, what in the world? Honey, if you know where Hamilton is, you don't ever go through Hamilton. You go to Hamilton on purpose because you are intentionally looking it up to get there. Nothing goes through Hamilton, you know, accidentally. or I mean, you're going because you mean to be there. So, these kids are coming. I had a young man come named Albert in 2005. 2007, there's a young man in the audience, and he's just... I, I, there was a thousand kids in the auditorium. There was one young man, and he was just like glowing with God. And I was like, whoa, you know, this boy, what in the world? So I wish we'd had that video. I should have brought it. Oh, Jesus, thank you. And I looked at him, and I said, you. I said, come up here. Come up here. So he comes to the platform. I said, where are you from? He says, Manchester, England. 
And I told him, long story short, I said, I want you to pray right now for Manchester. That boy began to pray, and it was like a bomb went off in that room, was it not? The glory of God exploded when that boy began to pray. And I mean, intercession hit that room, and it was heaven on earth. As God began, the Holy Ghost began to intercede through that young man named James Aladrin. Oh, James Aladrin went back to Manchester, England, and when that boy got back, he started a prayer meeting because we used to tell the kids all the time at the ramp, go home and start a prayer meeting. Go home and start a prayer meeting. He went home and started a prayer meeting. And in a city with 2% Christian, 2%, he goes home and starts a prayer meeting. And when I went back in 2010 because he contacted me, said, you got to come and see what's happening. In a place where there's hardly anything happening with young people for Christians, he had over 600, 700 kids coming to his prayer meeting. It was glorious. And James Aladrin started what is still called today prayer storm and the power of God transforming. And he, that young man now is changing a nation. He will be used to change nations. That's the anointing on that young man. And he came to the ramp just simply because he saw it online, had never been to America before, and got on a plane because he said, i got to come and see what God is doing. And now God's going to use him to change that nation. Now i got to hurry. Oh, my Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Let me tell you what happened. So then in 2010, Reuben came, another boy from England. He was from Liverpool, 45 minutes from Manchester. Oh, he's now working for the Billy Graham Association. He's mind-boggling. He saw it online. He comes too. So all this stuff starts happening. Well, You'll find out in a few minutes. In 2010, in the, at the ramp, we hit what we call now the beginning of the storm. And it was a spiritual storm warfare season. We'd had this incredible 10-year, 12-year run, really. And all of a sudden, in 2010, the storm began. And I don't have time to go into the details of that, but it was, it was an intense time of warfare. So... 2014, and I'm just going to skip over those next few years. Mike is going to touch on a couple things over 2012 for you in a minute. 2014 was when the enemy had targeted my home. He targeted my youngest daughter. It was a hard time. The ministry was in a financial crisis due to the storm that we were in. We were in an unbelievable financial pressure at that season just to survive. And then my home was attacked. But at the same time of 2014, really the most intense part, part, of, the, part of the most intense season of the storm, Tegan, who I didn't even was, know was coming tonight on this front row, Tegan Herschel, my spiritual son and daughter I love so much. Tegan, Miss Prophet Dreamer right here. She dreams and she's a prophet of the Lord in so many ways. She begins to have dreams in the spring of 2014 about Manchester. And about England, I don't have time to tell you the dreams, but they're mind-boggling. And so she tells me these dreams, and I'm like, whoa, that was 10 years ago that I heard that call to go to Manchester. 10 years ago. But it's the spring of 14, she brings me this word. Well, I don't have time to tell you about the other words, but all through the summer of 2014, on one side of my life, I'm in the, the most fiery trial I had ever known in my life personally for my daughter and my home and my the ministry on the other side 
over here. We're starting to get these prophetic words. It's like heaven is open and the heavens are stirring with these crazy words like God's about to do something. Another word comes in the summer. It was great. Just take my word for you. I'll skip the time factor for you. Another word comes in August. That was beyond words. I just be beyond. I got to tell you that one. Oh, I was in the mill house praying for my daughter. And it was early in the morning. And I get a text on my phone. And it was from James Aladrin's wife because he got married. And she texted me. She didn't know what all I was going through, that I was in the mill house praying. She texts me and says, Miss Karen, I had a dream last night. She says, and in the dream, you were trying to decide about, you know, coming to England and making, you know, wasn't sure about where to come to. And that was crazy because we had just been discussing that summer because we'd had another opportunity that looked like might be going to open in England. I was going, well, should I go to Manchester for sure? Or should we go over here where this place is? Another place in England that was opening the door. I thought, well, which one should I go to? And she didn't know that. She says, in the dream, you were trying to decide about coming, where to come in, in England. She said, but in the dream, I was looking at you going, come to Manchester. Come to Manchester. The ark is here. I was like, what in the world? What? So God was telling me. It's Manchester, Karen. September comes around, and my husband was called out of an audience from a prophet we had never met, and the man's never been to the ramp. And this man sees my husband. I wasn't there, and he calls my husband out of the audience, and he says, I'm going to skip most of it, but he looks at my husband, and he says, the ramp. He says, I see a tsunami of glory heading toward it. He says, and you're going to, um, I see you going to Europe. He says, uh, particularly into the U.K., he begins to prophesy this word that we were, we were going in. Well, by this time, Rick, my husband's like, Karen, you're going to have to just go over there and scout the land. He says, I don't know what God's wanting us to do there. I don't know how we're going to do it, but you've got to go and just scout the land. Just look it over. This was about September 21st, 22nd by this time. So I was like, okay. I called Samuel in, and I called Joe Reeser in, who was the young man I was going to eventually send to oversee the work there. Jesus. I called them into the office, and I looked at them, and I said, we're going. We're going to go scout Manchester. We're going to go see what God's wanting us to do there. I said, so go book the tickets. I said, I mean it. I mean, let's, let's go like in two weeks. I said, I want to be there. Let's go in two weeks and just see what God's wanting us to do. We're going to get our feet on the ground. We're going to go prayer walk that city, and we're just going to say, God, here we are. What are you wanting to do? I said, I'm serious. So I got up, quick meeting, and I was walking out of the office kind of backwards. I looked at Joe. I said, you got that, Joe? Book the tickets. Walked out, went to downtown Hamilton. Follow me here, please. Where I was cleaning out an old building, getting ready to build dorms for Ramp School of Ministry students. This building was packed with stuff. No one would go in that building. It was closed to anybody but me because I had to clean it out. It was packed. Had been packed for years. I'm in there cleaning because i got to clean it out. My assistant's in the front room. I'm in the worst part of the back. And I was in that place where you're picking up boxes, and I was sorting everything, you know, throw this away, yard sale that, and keep that, and I was doing all that stuff. Well, I had learned to look at every piece of paper because I almost threw away uh, a check for, I think it was $200, because I almost didn't look at it. So I had learned to look at every piece of paper. So 
I'm picking up this stuff, and all of a sudden, I picked up this big box. And when I pick it up, and I'm moving it over here, and I sit this box down. When I looked, when I picked up the box and looked down, I looked down, and under that box, in the back room of a building no one goes in that's been locked for no telling how long, was this piece of paper. This is the actual piece of paper. In fact, put up, put up uh, the picture I gave you, Jonathan. This is what that room looked like. I went, re I went back in there and, and reenacted it just so later on. So that's what the box is. That's a little corner of it. Do you see the paper sitting there? That was underneath this big box. I mean, it wasn't like laying out. It was underneath it. I pick it up. And then I did this. I took this piece of paper. And you can show the picture of me. I had a mask on to breathe because there was so much dust. It wasn't corona. I was wearing it because I couldn't breathe for the dust. And I went in there and sat down, and these are the words that I read. Mind you, only minutes before I opened this paper, I had told Joe, book the tickets. This paper has no, no person's name on it and no date. It's just printed, handwritten. It says, when you arrive to the place in Europe, You will meet a man who will help you plant not one ramp, but two ramps. Two locations, two places that will harvest double the size of an army of the young. That will come with a loud shout. That will cause the enemy to flee from that land and others. Every time they speak the word of the Lord, it will affect the enemy double. When you go to Europe, I will send you with double the finances and double the vision as I set my army up that will change that region for good. Then it says, I will give you double for the trouble that has come to your house. It says, demand the people to pray double and to give double. I will make this dream come to pass. I just want you to give God praise right there. Come on. That's right. I just want you to, I want you to give our God, I want you to give our God the praise. That's God. Not am I. That's one of the many, many, many ways he speaks. You may be seated. I started, I, my assistant, I called her in there. As soon as I looked down and read the words, when you arrived to the place in Europe, I just went, Jessica. And I began to read it. I was shaking and crying. I folded it and I ran. I just called my staff. I said, everybody get down here right now. I called them in there. I read this letter to them. And, and Melissa looks at me and she goes, Karen, this is Rosh Hashanah. This is the eve of Rosh Hashanah. I went home that night and I looked it up and I, I, I just Googled it. I, I just Googled Rosh Hashanah and anything about it. And I pulled up what pops up was Elijah list. On, but, and, and on the Elijah list, I didn't even go to Elijah list much. I didn't even, it was just odd. It just pops up. I look it up and, and I look down and there's this word on the front page of the Elijah list online. I had no idea. And I'm, I'm looking at this and this has, here's how it opened. A prophet out of California named Johnny Enloe opens it and this is what he said. And I have just gotten home from this experience that night. And it said, on this Rosh Hashanah, I have seen angels 
delivering scrolls to people with strategy and instruction for the next season. If that's not enough, one more thing about it. If that's not enough, then I find out a couple of days later something else had happened. The next morning, now I did, I, I found this in a building that's now a ramp school ministry dorm, but it, then it was downtown Hamilton, okay? The next morning at 8 a.m., my cousin, that I didn't even know they were there, I didn't know they were coming, I had no idea, they don't even live in Hamilton. I had, I had not, not told them, only people I told was my staff about this. It just happened the night before. <coughs> next morning, Craig's downtown Hamilton filming for a documentary at 8 o'clock in the morning. Again, him not knowing about this. He says, he told me later, he said he was standing there and he sees two people walking toward him, a man and a woman. And he noticed the man's wearing a cross necklace. And the man walks up to him, 8 a.m., keep saying that for a reason, 8 o'clock in the morning. And they ask him in a beautiful British accent, is there a pub in town? Like a, they, they meant like a restaurant. Because it can be, it's, it's actually like a, what they call here a, yeah, you know what it is, like a deli kind of place, right? Is there a pub in town? And Craig goes, well, there ain't going to be one of those around here. And he says, you probably won't find a drink like that around here either. And the man said, oh, we don't drink. He said, we're just looking for a bite to eat. We're only passing through, he said. We don't drink, we're just looking for a bite to eat. We're only passing through. Craig said, where are y'all from? He said, Manchester, England. He said, what are y'all doing here? He said, oh, we're passing through. He said, I play in a band. Craig said, what's the name of the band? And he gave him the name of a band, the band, and they walk off. When they leave, Craig looks up the name of the band, and it was a Hebrew word. That means new wine of the best kind. Come on. <laughs> they were standing when he looked up and saw them directly across this two-lane little street from the building that letter was in. The next morning, angels were sent to deliver scrolls. What are you saying? Number one, I want you to learn the way God speaks. He speaks in many ways. You can explain that any way you want. I'm an eyewitness of what happened. But I'm telling you, we've started a ramp in Manchester, England. We opened it in 2016. I sent Joe over there, and God is moving, and it's doing awesome, and God's going to reach a, 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 an army of young people. That, that's got the highest. In fact, in Manchester, England, how many young people is it? 180,000 college kids just in Manchester, England alone. Come on, what a harvest field. What a harvest field. So those of you now that's become part of this mission of the ramp, you're going to be part of a global mission. We've been sent to Manchester, and there's another city in Europe because he said two ramps that's yet to be over there. God's going to do it, and we're going to be a part of it. Hallelujah. Mark, Micah, tell them the next part. God's amazing. Sometimes when we're in Hamilton, I just look at Ramp Church, then I go, God's crazy. God is just so crazy. 
it's hard to keep up with him in the way that he speaks. One of the things you'll find through this uh, service tonight is, like we said earlier, not just what God has said, but how God speaks and part of the prophetic process that you go through. You know, when you hear the story, you hear in a condensed version in so many minutes. But the way that it happened, that was that story spanned over a decade, 2004 to 2014. That's a lot of stuff that happened in between those two marks. So all that to say... Don't get discouraged in your own prophetic process. God's going to say stuff to you, and you're going to wonder sometimes for a decade or more, God, was that you or was I just crazy? When what's happening is that word is being processed. So some of the promises we want to give you or, or share with you are not just the things that have shaped us directionally, but the sustaining words he gave us in between the big, the big marks, in between the 04 to the 14 and beyond to the launch in 2016 of Manchester, we want to give you some of those sustaining words as well that have become cornerstone promises that shaped us during the waiting season and still shape us today. Wow, what a journey it's been. And isn't it amazing that God is a talking God? And he wants to reveal to you uh, what your purpose is. And I want to tell you, purpose is vitally important. And I have some friends here that are going to help me with this illustration. One of my favorite points um, from, that, from that conversation is the point about when you're connected to a community, the promises that God speaks to that community are your promises as well. And I, I thought about nesting dolls when, when for some reason, when I heard that. And so I think this is such a great way. It's such a great illustration for our mind that your individual purpose, God has promises that he's made over your life. And we have at Ramp Church, we're passionate about helping you discover what that purpose is. And, but God has said certain things about who you are. Maybe you feel like you're an accident. Maybe you feel like your life is aimless. I want to tell you, he, the, the Bible says that he knew you before you were even born. And before you were born, he wrote out every single day of your life in a book. And the, the point is that God is intimately acquainted with your journey. And I want to tell you today, our journeys have, have crossed. Our paths have crossed. Your individual, individual journey, Ramp Church's journey. And then as a Ramp Church family, we're all on this journey together. But when you have an individual purpose, it fits into a corporate purpose. So we have promises as a community, and now your individual purpose has a place inside the corporate story of what God's saying through Ramp Church. And I have people ask me all the time, well, can't I be a Christian? Can't I be in a relationship with Jesus and not be a part of the church? And the short answer is, that, well, of course, all you need to be right with God is just receive what Jesus has done for you. But I believe anybody in right relationship with God is going to be compelled to be associated and, and gather with his people. But there's even a practical purpose. There's many practical purposes for that. But one is you step into promises that are not just yours, but they're promises to the community, to the people that you're a part of. And that is the family of God. But God doesn't just have a story that he's writing through Ramp Church. He has a story that he's writing through our city through Manchester. Manchester has a redemptive purpose in the storyline of God. And Manchester's story fits into the UK's story. And I believe Ramp Church, we're meant to be a part of what God is writing, the story God's writing through the UK. But then the UK's story fits into God's global plan. 
If you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Karen spoke on the dash in the middle, that when you have big decisions to make, you need to go to a cemetery. And remember, there's a day at the beginning, there's a day at the end, but, but your purpose lives in that dash in the middle. And Rant Church, our dash fits into the global story that God is writing through all of creation. But it starts with your individual purpose. Let's do this together, Ramp Church. But understanding your purpose is vitally important. And that's why, and here I'm going to connect some dots for you. That's why we've actually, this is so important to us, we've actually created a, an entire home group that's dedicated toward journeying with people new to Ramp Church in discovering your own purpose, and discovering how that purpose fits into the story of the Ramp. And it's called New Here. And it is starting 7th of October. October Signups actually open today. You can sign up starting today, ramp.church slash MCR. And this, this home group is so important to us that Stacy and I are leading it personally. And it's going to be um, a, a virtual home group. But if you're new to our community and you're wondering, how do I get plugged in at Ramp Church? Um, how do I discover my purpose? It's such, this, this, is where, this is a great place to start. Are you wondering, how do I get more involved in Ramp Church? This is a great place to start. What's my growth path in God? I've just discovered spirituality, or maybe you've been a Christian for some time. There's always more to God, and this is the place to start with this. How do I find community at Ramp Church? And this is a wild time where people are often isolated, but I've seen in the weeks that, that have passed, people who've genuinely struggled with the circumstances that all of us have, but because they found community at Ramp Church, there's been a lifeline, there's been a source of, of joy and fulfillment through the struggle. And if, if, if you've yet to experience community in this season, I wanna encourage you to do that. And, and this, this new here home group is a great place to start. What are my spiritual gifts? We, dis we discuss, what are your spiritual gifts? How are, how's God uniquely wired you? What are your passion points? And how does that connect with ramp, where ramp, ramp Church is going? So si again, sign-ups open today. Would love to see every single person who's new at Ramp Church, or maybe you've been around for, for some time, but you've never gone to Rampology. You've never been in our new here course. Sign up today. We would love to see you there. This is critical, guys. This is critical. And we're going to go into a time of worship now. And I want you to kind of really set aside some time um, and, and some space to respond to the message that we just heard about your own purpose, about the purpose of being connected to Ramp Church or, and what God wants to do in this city. And I, I love the opportunity that we have to say yes to God in this season and this is what I think the journey of discipleship looks like, is our response to God is yes. And then we go, what's the question? Yes, God, what's the question? I know, I know most, most of the time in our lives, we hear the question first and then, then we say yes. But I want to tell you with God, faith comes first. The yes comes first. And then he's going to guide you in the details of walking out, which you what what he has for you and what you are what your journey is for your life so this song is about exactly that it's about orienting our heart around what god wants to do in our life and through our life and in this community and god let there be a yes that comes out of our heart in this season that you take each person individually and us as a community into all that you've called us to be in amen